The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Right now, though, I want to talk about the actor Chris Hemsworth. He of the Marvel Universe fame and the Thor character. He's announced he's going to take a break from acting after learning he has a heightened risk of developing Alzheimer's disease. So he has two copies of a specific gene, one from his mother, one from his father, and it makes him between eight and ten times more likely to develop the disease, apparently. Dr. Sabina Brennan is with me now. She's a health psychologist and author of 100 Days to a Younger Brain. Sabina, as always, you're very welcome to the show. Um, You might elaborate a little bit for us first on this test that Chris Helmsworth did and tell us more about... The, the, the relevance of these genes and having two copies of them. Yeah, so I put it in context. I think he did it as part of a Disney Plus show called Limitless, which actually um, is looking at ways for that we can all stay long, younger and live healthier for longer. Um, so actually, this is one of the tests I think you can do on, you know, 23andMe and those kind of things. I've done it myself on my own 23andMe. Um, so I think the important thing here to understand is that um, yes, the APOE um, allele 4 gene does infer an increased risk of developing dementia, but that does not mean that Chris is going to develop dementia or anyone else um, who has that gene. So some people who have the gene never develop dementia and some people who develop de- dementia do not have that gene. It just infers an increased risk. So um, the APOE E-gene, you get one from your mum and one from your dad. Um, it comes in a few different varieties called alleles. Um, so you have two, three, four. The most common is three, and that it's believed to play a neutral role in dementia risk. Um, whereas four, um, um, about 25%, one in four people have APOE4, um, one copy of it. And then like Chris, just a small proportion of the population, about 2%, Mm. have two copies. But I I, I think the important thing to understand is that um, uh, it's just a risk factor and there are multiple risk factors for developing uh, dementia or Alzheimer's disease in particular. And Put this in context with the fact that 40% of all cases of Alzheimer's disease are attributable to 12 modifiable risk factors, lifestyle factors, non-genetic factors. And that kind of puts the allele thing in perspective. Um, you know, so for example, smoking, smokers are 40% more likely to develop Alzheimer's disease than non-smokers. Um, so I, I, I think there's a risk of over-focusing on a, a, a genetic predisposition. Okay. It's interesting because I suppose he, he's so well-known uh, around yes. the world that uh, people automatically, in the wake of something like this, they're focused on the story and it's been described as this test for dementia. That That is overstating yes. the case, it sounds like. Absolutely overstating the case. It is not a test for dementia. It's not a test for whether you will or will not get d- dementia. It is a test to see whether you whether you actually have a, a gene that predisposes, that not, that, that in, infers an increased risk. Um, but, you know, sort of t- 
type 2 diabetes infers an increased risk. Hearing, life, hearing loss in midlife increase, in, increases your risk. Midlife obesity increases your risk. Um, social isolation, physical inactivity, air pollution, um, lack of physical exercise, they all increase your risk of mm. developing Alzheimer's disease. The thing is, I suppose, yes, yeah, sorry, you were going to say something. Well, it's just when, when you list them off, I mean, it strikes me that, that they're... It, it, they kind of form part of a common list, don't they? That that increases your risk of they lots do of things. Because there's a, there's there's lots of multiple common factors. We, you know, we have one body, right? So if you listen to some of those factors that I called out, so so I should say, sort of, the APOE gene, um, uh, it's involved in making a protein that helps carry cholesterol and other types of fat in the bloodstream, right? And then you look at some of the risk factors I've talked about, midlife obesity, um, you know, mid, midlife high blood pressure, those kind of things. So cardiovascular health, is impacted by what we do with our lifestyle. Brain health, your risk of developing dementia, is influenced by your heart health because your brain needs a healthy heart and a healthy cardiovascular system to get the nutrients and the oxygen to function properly. Mm. So if you're operating on, um, you know, a, a cardiovascular system that is blocked and not working well, your brain's going to be deprived of oxygen. It's not going to work properly. You're going to be increasing your risk of, you know, um, these things happening. So th- there's multiple factors. And I-, I think an interesting thing is there was a study um, done relatively recently that was kind of looking at the interaction, what we'd call an interaction between having that gene um, and um lifestyle, having a healthy lifestyle Mm. and not having the gene and unhealthy lifestyle. So essentially, if you have a healthy lifestyle, having a, I have to to say this right, a healthy lifestyle was associated with a lower risk of dementia among participants who had both a low and a high genetic risk. So basically, if you live your healthy lifestyle, it has the capacity to sort of, you know, Ease out that risk. Does that make sense to you? It does. It makes. I, look, it, it it does. When you boil it down to the simple message of that, you are your long term health is much better protected by being healthy in the cardiovascular sense from an earlier age. But for people yes. who maybe have not heeded that message for a time, and maybe they have been smoking and they are overweight and they yes. do tick some of these boxes, I mean. Uh, were they to reverse some of that now? Yes, stop it now. Just stop it now. Yes, absolutely. So you I mean, know, is some of the risk hardwired in though at this stage? Ah, some of it is. I wouldn't say hardwired. I don't believe in hardwired. Some of it is ingrained habit. You wouldn't just but, say to some of them, ah, sure, look at this stage, you may flake on. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't because my mum had dementia and I've lived through it and I've seen that journey and um, I don't particularly want to go down that journey myself. I don't want my kids to have to go down that journey with me. I'm an ex-smoker from a very long time ago. I understand that it can be really challenging to do those kind of things. But believe you me, giving up smoking is a hell of a lot easier than dealing with 
something mm. like that later on. That's kind of the way I would look at it. And no, it's not too late. You know, I mean, I mentioned hearing loss there. I don't want to frighten people, but go get your hearing checked because the the research shows that, you know, um, midlife, you know, hearing loss. So say we start, our hearing yeah. starts to decline, right? Much like our sight does as we get to mid midlife. Well, people go and get glasses, but they tend not to go and get hearing aids because there's sort of like a stigma. But the research shows if you go get a hearing aid, then that risk is mitigated. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't. don't. Can you explain to me? Because it sounds to me that that would be kind of... um a, a kind of correlation rather than causation. But how is it that no, hearing loss no, causes we dementia? Understand. We've actually, yeah, we've pu- published paper on that. That So actually, we don't fully understand it. There's multiple factors at play, as there always is with any human. Mm. But it could be that a degraded signal coming in, the brain is less stimulated. There's multiple other factors. For example, when you have hearing loss, you um, are having trouble following a conversation. So you are less socially engaged, almost to the point sometimes you become socially isolated. And then lack of social, social isolation increases your risk because you're not having the mental stimulation. You then may become depressed because you're not being stimulated socially. Depression is a risk factor. So there's all these multiple compounding causes that it all seems very simple on the surface, but many of these are related. And then you see, you might be isolated, depressed, and you start to overeat or you start to drink excessive alcohol. And do do you know what I mean? I see, yeah. Multiple sort of factors kind of spiral in. But like the good news, say, with hearing loss is if you go get your hearing tested and if you wear an aid, um, you know, the research shows that you mitigate that risk. And the sooner you go, um, the better. Um, similarly, research shows that if you take up exercise in midlife, um, that you do actually better than someone who exercised you know, from childhood up to midlife, do you, do you, and who stops. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? So um, I, I'm a firm believer that it is absolutely never too late, never too late. And I mean, you know, there's there's people who take up, I, I really just believe like it's as someone who's kind of starting into what people would call maybe their third chapter or their final chapter or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's a real time where, you know, if you ignore the ageism around you, um, where you actually can really sort of do a lot of this stuff and and get more pleasure out of life and take up exercise mm. and take up things that challenge your brain and and that's kind of a key to it that's one i didn't mention is less education and and low levels of mental stimulation they're a big risk factor so that basically sort of coasting along doing nothing not challenging your brain retirement sitting down and can, what, what what constitutes challenging your brain because you know uh, like a few years ago people were telling us to do the sodoku every day that that was going to ward off dementia yeah, I mean, so it, does, does that, does that count or do you have to go off and do a phd <laughs> no it doesn't really but it, ca- it counts if it gives you pleasure and joy it's sudoku only counts so basically what counts for challenging your brain and the reason why learning new things is good is that when you the brain has this capacity, neuroplasticity, I'm sure you've heard of it. And it's the capacity to grow and change and adapt and grow new brain connections. Okay. That that's at the root of a healthy brain because the more healthy brain connections you have, even if you get something like Alzheimer's disease, more healthy brain you have to cope with the damage the disease might cause, right? Every time you learn something new, you harness neuroplasticity. So basically challenging your brain involves um, 
learning something new, putting yourself, uh, pushing yourself beyond your comfort zone, having new experiences, talking to new people. When I talk about learning, I'm not talking about academic learning. Do you, do you, it, do you know yeah. what I mean? It's, it can be, I, I, I'd love if there was another word, if someone can think of another word for learning, tell me, but it really is encountering new things. It, 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 it can be academic, but, you know, learning how to roller skate, um, learning carpentry, pushing yourself, like if you play a music instrument you know push yourself to learn a new technique it's in the learning so when it comes to say when you talk about something like the crossword or sudoku when you learned how to do those Mm. that's when you got the benefit if you can do them no problem you're not getting any new benefit so you got to push yourself to the next level in order to evoke neuroplasticity again Uh, or else put a timer on do do, do you know what I mean if you want to do those things but I actually feel engaging with life with real life things rather than puzzles do do you know what I mean if there's something that satisfy your curiosity if there's something that you're really curious curious about in life go learn about that or try and figure out real life problems or you know or even strategy games do you know something that really pushes um you it's and, and it's at your own level it doesn't have to be at someone else's level. It's from yeah. your baseline to your next level. Dr. Sabina Brennan, health psychologist and author of 100 Days to a Younger Brain. Sabina, as always, thanks a million for joining us. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.